Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Hey, morning church. How are you guys doing today? Doing well? Woo! Yeah, tell you what. <clears throat> I hope my voice lasts all the way through this because I have been worshiping like crazy this morning. Love our worship set. It really gets my heart set. And obviously been singing Christmas carols all week because it is finally here. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here. And we are so excited. What a great launch to the Christmas season. I hope your heart is getting ready and getting all jazzed up for uh, the Christmas season that we have together. There are a lot of things going on just, just to help you out. There are a lot of things happening. Obviously, we got Christmas. Christmas movie this Wednesday night, uh, Frosty the Snowman and Klaus or Klaus or however you pronounce that. I've actually seen this great movie. Great time to bring your family up this Wednesday if you want to check that out. Next Wednesday, we got a worship night where we're going to be doing carols and singing and worshiping. Great chance to get your heart dialed into Jesus. And then our Christmas Eve services, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, it's going to be amazing. And so make sure you're a part of all of that. Now, the temptation is to think, man, you guys are just, you're making me busy. No, the, the purpose isn't to make you busy. The purpose is to give you opportunities to get our heart dialed in, right? Culture, you know, family, you know, all the things that we have to do to get dialed in for this Christmas season, they can so distract us from the real reason that we celebrate, which is Jesus Christ. And all these are moments when it just gets us focused back on him, focused on his heart, focused on his love for us, what he's done for us. And so this is your opportunity moment. So take them, uh, dive into them. I'll even give you one personal thing. This is something that uh, I'm doing uh, in kind of my own personal life, and, and we're going to be doing it with our family. If you really want to get your heart dialed in this Christmas season, then there's a way to do it with the book of Luke. Now, if you know the book of Luke, it's got 24 chapters in it. So there are 24 days leading up to Christmas Eve. So if you read one chapter a day in the book of Luke, by the time Christmas Eve is hit, you know, you've read all of Luke. So when you wake up Christmas morning, the whole story of the gospel is sitting right front and center of your heart. And so I encourage you to do that. Now, some of you are going, hey, Jim, the math doesn't work out today is December 5th. Well, you just got to catch up. Today is your day. I, I'm officially giving you homework. So if, if you don't do your schoolwork, just tell your teachers, uh, Pastor Jim said I had to do this first. I'm sure your parents won't mind. Uh, so anyway, you dive into those scriptures, you catch up. And then every day when you get up in the morning, maybe for lunch or with your family or whenever, you read a chapter, get all the way through the gospel story. It will encourage you. So when Christmas hits, uh, it is all dialed in and ready. Now, Something else I love about Christmas, obviously you can tell by my voice is Christmas songs and singing Christmas carols and everything else, that I have three radio stations. I don't know why I just have three, but for some reason that's as far as I got, and then my ADD kicked in. My horn works! So anyway, I have three set radio stations in my truck. Two of the three are on Christmas stations, so if you cut them on, you're going to be hearing Christmas carols. That third... I'm just going to confess that third is on Christian Screamo because I feel like nothing really jazzes my soul for Jesus like people screaming at me, love God, love God, love God, love God. So, and this is a true story. My, my son Benji and I, when we were driving to elementary school, like I'm taking him to school, that's what we listened to. So we're kind of headbanging Jesus loves us all the way. So when I let him go, nothing anybody else screams love or matter because I made the kid deaf. So anyway, so that's it. <laughs> 
Just a little something you can know about me, what I listen to in my car. Anyway, not to diminish your Christmas songs. Because you all have favorite Christmas songs, right? In fact, I, I want to give you a chance to, to kind, of, kind of share those Christmas songs. On, on the count of three, whatever your favorite Christmas song is, I, I want you to shout that song out. Don't sing it. I don't want anyone breaking into silent. No, I just, no, I just want to hear the title. So you got your title in your head? You ready? Count of three. What? No, I, I'm going to count. One, two, three. Excellent. Man, you, you guys are a classy group. I, second service, someone was like, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Did, did anyone say that? Did, that? did that? Okay, then you're the classy group. You're, you win. You're amazing. Now, I will say, Christmas wasn't Christmas in our house in Alabama until Grandma got popped by that sleigh, sleigh and singing it, but that's just the way it is. So anyway, um, so we all have Christmas songs, right? We have, we have carols that we like. We have songs that we like. So when I tell you the name of this series that we're in, the songs of Christmas, some of you are like, oh, maybe you're going to cover one of my favorites, like Silent Night or, you know, Joy to the World. What was that one you said? What child is this? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. What child is this? You know, some of those Christmas songs. Well, I, I'm talking original. When I say original, I'm not talking about 200-year-old hymns original. I'm talking about the original Christmas songs. Those songs that were sung by Mary when she embraced God's plan for her life and just what she felt in that moment and just the spontaneous words and poems and prose and song that came to her heart. I'm talking about the song sung by Elizabeth and, and Zacharias, kind of like, like a duet when God had told them that, that after years of barrenness, they were going to have a son and their son would be named John and, and John would be the, the, the kind of the leader that would usher Israel into embracing the Messiah. I'm talking about the song sung by a, 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 one of the most unknown characters in the Christmas story, a guy named Simon. And God has simply given this guy a promise. He said, Simon, you know what? You will not die until you meet the Messiah. I'm sure old Simon was thinking, well, let's just pop that for about another thousand years. <laughs> but at the end of Simon's life, he meets Jesus, the Christ child. And scripture says he just poured forth in song and prophecy and praise. And of course, we definitely are going to do the classic. What's the classic OG Christmas song? This is the song those angels sang, you know, when they showed up and they were speaking to the shepherds and, the, and they sang praises to God. We'll cover that in this series. All original songs, all powerful, all real, all heartfelt, all filled with awe at seeing God do so much for his people. I mean, that's, that's where these songs are birthed out of, just the spontaneous, God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. God, you are incredible. I'm just going to sing my praises to you. And we're going to start this morning with kind of the, the most known one, obviously. We're going to start this morning with, with Mary's song. It's a beautiful song that she sings. So if you got your Bibles or your Bible apps, head over to the book of Luke. That's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 1. And as you're getting there, finding that, Luke chapter 1, going to be about verse 36, where we're going to start off with uh, to kind of help you get dialed in. While you're finding that, it's important to remember a little bit of context. And at this moment in the, in the story, before Ab Gabriel shows up and speaks to Zechariah, you know, telling him you're going to have the son John, and speaks to Mary, hey, you're going to be mother of Messiah, until Gabriel shows up and speaks those words... Do you know that God had been silent for about 400 years? 
Until Gabe shows up on the scene, God had been absolutely silent. When you, when you read the Old Testament, you get to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, and those last words that Malachi speaks, and then silence. In fact, if you turn in your Bible, if you go to your Bible and you kind of look at the, you know, between Malachi and Matthew, there's like a blank page. That's editorial reasons, but that's also a great spiritual representation of what God did. God just got quiet. For 400 years, he didn't say anything. Now, God was still working. God was still moving, but there was not a prophetic word. There was not a, there was not a Jeremiah that stepped up on the scene. There was not a, there was not a Isaiah that, you know, that, that busted out. This is a word from God. It was almost as if Jesus Christ himself was taking in a deep breath with just him and the Father and the Spirit, and they just communed together one last time, this, this last deep breath of, of intimate community, community before he launched out with the incarnate before Jesus became flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And people had felt that. They had felt no prophet. They had felt no, no word. They had just felt all of those things. So you can imagine just the energy and the excitement of Gabriel stepping up and breaking that silence. To who? A great world leader to Gabriel show up to the emperor of Rome and say, Rome, you think you're in charge? Well, you're going to find out who's really in charge. You know, God, God didn't do that. Didn't send Gabe to the emperor. He didn't send Gabriel to some great religious leader. He didn't even send Gabriel to some massive, you know, amazing, incredible organization. You know who Gabriel went to? A nobody. A, a teenage girl. Now, I'm going to say nobody because that's how the world would, would obviously have, have named her. Because nobody knew anything about her. She, she, was not, she was not filled with power and prestige. There, there was nothing about her that anybody in the world would have said, hey, you are special. In fact, the world probably would have written her off because she was just, she was just this poor girl in this poor family. But what I love is this is that while the world may look at her and because she lacked power and prestige and presence, man, God looks beyond those things and he sees the heart. The eyes of God sees beyond what the world can see and sees the heart. That's exactly what 2 Chronicles 16.9 says. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth looking for what? A heart turned toward him. And what God had done in looking over all of humanity, he'd seen the heart of Mary and he saw this heart was turned toward him and, and that delighted him. In fact, the one of the reasons he said, you, you have found favor in the eyes of God. It wasn't because she'd done this great, amazing thing. It's because her heart was simply turned toward God, which I think answers a question this Christmas season. What does God want from me? You know, what, what, if you're asking, what does God want from me this Christmas season, Jim? What, what can I give God? Little drummer boy, do I give him a little solo? You know, what, what does God want from me? God simply wants your life, your thoughts, your affections turned toward him. If you could just do that, my friend, that would delight the heart of God. And so here's Mary. She's, she's got a heart that's turned toward God. She's, she's focused on him. She loves who he is. God sees that. His delight, his affections are set on her. God chooses Mary. And that's where the story picks up because Mary had a choice, right? Wasn't anything forced on her? So this is where her part of the story comes in. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. 
In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel uh, being sent to God, being sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. So there he is. He shows up in Nazareth and he shows up to this virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But she, Mary, was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. This is unlike any Hallmark card I have ever gotten in the mail. What's going on? And then the angel says to her, hey, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Can you imagine how that just landed in her heart and her soul? You, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Or that's, the Greek is Jesus. The actual Hebrew is Joshua, which means God saves. And so God is saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm pouring out my plan here, my purpose. The Messiah is going to show up, and he's going to save. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I love Mary's response. And Mary said to the angel, um, uh, do you know how it works? This is, how's, how's this going to happen? I'm, I, I'm unsure what's going to go on here. And then the angel communicates and says, listen, hey, God's spirit is going is to overshadow you and the power of the most high will come upon you. And, and this child that's going to be born of you is going to be holy. It's going to be unique. It's going to be special. It's going to be the son of God. And just so you know that God can work miracles this way, guess what? Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And she's, she's six months along. Those who called her barren, and now she is going to have a child. And I love this verse, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary's response, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. There's so many good truths in this, in this interaction between, between the angel and Mary. I just want to just wanna pull out two. The first one is kind of what the angel ends up with after telling her all these things. And I'm sure Mary has questions in her heart and her mind. After telling her all these things, the angel lands with nothing is impossible with God. I think that is a great Christmas truth for us because no matter your circumstances, no matter your situations, no matter what your, your job may be throwing at you, no matter what you may be experiencing in your relationship, no matter what, you know, the Christmas holiday season can just amp up our emotions and bring just some crazy things to our heart and our soul. No matter what those things are screaming at us, Ephesians 3.20 is, is true that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. That God can step into your circumstance, your relationships, your emotions, your, your heart and your life. He can step in, and when he steps in, a miracle happens. Every time God steps into who we are and what we're doing, man, he brings miracles, and he brings life, and he brings hope, and he brings goodness. And some of us need God stepping in. We need God stepping into these places where we are just hurt and broken and lost and destitute. And maybe just throwing our hands up this morning and say, God, I need you to step into this because I need that miracle in my life. Now, it's important to note that when God steps in and he does his miracle, that doesn't mean he always removes the obstacles. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Have you ever experienced just a really cool miracle of God where God just steps in and does this really, really cool thing? But he doesn't necessarily just make it easy all the rest of the way. I think about Israel. Think of the story of Israel. Go all the way back to the Old Testament. They, they were um, slaves in Egypt. 
And God did the miracle. He released them from slavery. And they were all like, as a people, woo, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. Woo, yeah, let's follow Moses out here. You did a great miracle. This is amazing. And they follow Moses, follow Moses. And they get all the way to the Red Sea. And they're like, where do we go now? And they're like, well, let's just think and pray and see what God says. And while they're thinking and praying, they turn around and look. And who is following them? The Egyptian army. And the Egyptian army is going to follow them to capture them or kill them. And so what do they start saying? You've led us all the way here to this moment to get a tan and die? Is is that the plan? And so they start praying for a miracle and God shows up and says, hey, listen, I I got a miracle that I'm going to do for you. And, And interesting that the miracle was this. God did not remove the obstacle of the Red Sea. When you read this story, God doesn't go, okay, Red Sea, let me just yeah, scoop you up and then just put you over here, you know, in, in Lompoc. We're just going to set you right there just for a little bit. Just a little, little Red Sea in Lompoc. They can handle it. They can handle it. And, and you, you just go on through. Did God do that? No. God did a very interesting thing. God didn't move the Red Sea. What did he do? He made a path through the Red Sea. Now we think of this and we're like, oh, that just should be super easy for these guys. That's, that's, a, that's an even mer- better miracle. Not really. How terrifying if you're an Israelite, because the scripture says the wind blew and it blew the, the water all the way up on this side and it blew the water all the way up on this side and there was this dry ground that they walked through that your job was to walk through those huge piles of water on both sides, this little bitty path to get to the other side. I will tell you, terrifying experience. When, when we go to the aquarium, you ever go to those little aquariums and those tubes that you have to walk through and there's like fish and sharks and all those things around? I always grab one of my kids and go, hey, let's go really fast because he's scared. <laughs> dude, it freaks me out. freaks me out. I will even grab someone else's child. Oh, this baby looks scared too. Let's just go through there. It, just, it doesn't matter. Mama! See, a little freaky. That's what happened with these Israelites. You know, I'm sure one of them said, couldn't you have built a bridge? You know, but God says, no, I've, I've led you to this. I've got this miracle. This miracle is amazing. It still requires trust. It still requires you overcoming some of that fear and some of that. There, there's still a path you got to walk with me in this. And as they're walking through this thing, they're seeing this water and then everything on both sides. They had to trust God all the way through it, which is the point. That the thing that God leads us to, whatever it is, he will make a path through it. But we still got to walk through it. We still got to follow him all the way. The Apostle Paul is a great story of this. This man loved Jesus, man. He, and he taught and he, he did everything that God asked him to do, he would do. God, you want me to do this? You got it, you got it, you got it. And you would think the person that would have the easiest life in the world would be the Apostle Paul because he loved God so much. But when you read that cat's story, dear Lord in heaven, He's a, he's a shipwreck. He got, he gets beaten all the time. He got stoned to death once and God raised him up. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, you know, Paul was like, Hey, could you, could you have like stopped it beforehand? Made the rocks feel like marshmallows. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's not bad. You know, any of those things, but that's not what happened. The apostle Paul, he he went through all of those things. And then he says this in Philippians. I I love this. He says, Philippians 1 16, I am sure of this 
that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And that's, that's a theological statement, but it is also a statement of practical truth. I'm sure Paul was thinking, he began a good work in me and he asked me to do this thing and he is faithful to lead me through it. Even though there were obstacles, even though there were some tough times and trials, he is faithful to complete the work that he's called me to do and he will lead me through it. My friend, that's the truth for Mary. She's, she's got a journey, right? She's got a journey, and there's a lot of things that she's going to go through, and he's simply saying, nothing is impossible with God, Mary. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I can only imagine 15, 20, 30, 33 years later, she's going to remember those words. Nothing is impossible with God. You trust him all the way to the end, even when things are dark, even when things are just look crazy. Trust his heart because he's still at work. And I love Mary's words here. Mary's words to me are just as powerful. You have the angel ending with nothing is impossible with God. Then you have Mary who just simply responds, may it be to me as you said. Blows me away. There's no maybe or hey, can you just wait four months? I'll be married and then none of this will be awkward. You know, then there's, there's a lot of things that Mary could have said, but she didn't. What does Mary say? She simply says yes. The thing that God kind of pushed on my heart was what could he accomplish in me and you if we simply said yes? Just yes. God, yes. Well, Jim, I need to know the question first. <laughs> you know, that's, that's reasonable, right? I need to know the question first before I start dropping a big yes to God out there. But do we? Should our obedience ever be dependent on the task that God asks? No, my friend, no. Our ability to simply say yes to whatever it is that God wants. God, I don't need, I don't need to know the question. I don't need to know the task. I just need you to know that I am a yes for you right now. That's what Mary was. She was like, hey, I, I hear what you're saying. I have no idea how this is going to work out. But just so you know, I'm a yes. I think for us this Christmas season, that may be a piece of our journey. Just simply saying yes to God, even before we know the question that is asked. God, I am yours and I will follow you and you have my yes no matter what. And that's what, that's what Mary does. And she simply follows him. And again, that's what God loves about her because her heart is turned toward him. And Mary wouldn't have it easy. She doesn't say yes because this whole thing's going to be easy, right? God had to navigate Joseph and everything that needed to work out there. God had to navigate her family and everyone around her who, from their view, she'd just gotten pregnant out of, out of wedlock. And so she was dealing with all of that. So there, there's still a lot of things going on that she was simply having to trust God in the middle of. But it never changed her answer. You never read where Mary says, hey, I'm done. I'm backing out. I don't want this. She says, my answer is yes. It's always yes and will continue to be yes. I'm following my God. And then you get to the piece of the story. So all this is going on in her heart and her life. And it's got to be really heavy. There's a lot of things happening. I can only imagine the emotions she's going through. And so she decides to go see someone else who might understand. She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who also has a wild thing going on. 
Elizabeth, who's, who's much older, now is pregnant. She's about six months further along than Mary is. And it's a miracle baby. They're like, wow, this is incredible. And so she goes, she sees Elizabeth. And so she has this, this moment of community. And Elizabeth's got her own miracle going on. Probably the only person that truly understands what's happening here. And, and her and Elizabeth are talking and sharing. And, and, and while she's there with Elizabeth, it, it all just comes tumbling out. Have you ever packed something in that box of your heart so much so, and it just spills out in some weird, awkward place? I I have. Put it in the box, put it in the box, put it in the box, put it in the box. And then I end up in Albertsons, you know, scanning my gallon of milk, and I just start crying. (laughs) Just like, kids, marriage, life. And the lady comes over, do you need a bag? No, no. Just my milk, you know. I just, they just. And I had no. I was not planning to leak in Albertsons. I'm just confessing right now. This is just my own heart. I was not planning to leak right there, but I did. That's Mary. She's she's been packing it in, packing it in, packing it in, packing it in, and she gets here to Elizabeth, and they're they're having this conversation, and boom! At some point, she just lets it all out. Now, what's amazing to me, it's not anger, it's not frustration, that it's not regret. It's not any of those things. You know what she just pours out of her heart and her soul? Praise. Praise for what God is doing. And that's what leads us to to her song that, that she speaks, these words that she says in verse 46. Let me just read this to you. Her words, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, it rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arms and he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. And he's brought low the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And he's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. I read those and go, that's a teenager? Man, that's, that's some powerful words. That's, that's some real stuff. What is going on that she speaks something so real and so powerful? Here's what's happening. I can tell you from her words that she has depth of spirit. That in these words, you see that Mary has strength of soul. Where did that come from? Did that come because this angel showed up and said, Mary, you're highly favored. God wants to use you. And all of a sudden in that one moment, that one big moment, all of a sudden she has, she has the strength to do everything that God asks. Absolutely not. She has the strength to be who God called her to be and to speak these kind of words in the big moments because of who she's been and all the small ones. My friend, Mary's strength that she has in God isn't isn't because he showed up in this one big moment, but because she had obviously been walking in his presence in every small moment of her life. And can I just speak that truth to us that, that some of you may be waiting on the big moment of God to be obedient or the big moment of God to really go all in with them. I'm waiting. Jim, I'm saving. I'm saving my yes. I got one yes. I'm saving it. When God asks me to... Go to church. 
sometime, you know, it's just a big moment, you know, I'm just saving my yes. And, and then when that big moment shows up and we falter and fail and wonder why, because that's not where strength is born. That's not where faithfulness is born. That's not where, where life is born. Life is born in all those small yeses and all those small moments. And I'm sure that's what happens in Mary's life because her heart had found favor with God that in the little things, even as a teenager, she was saying yes. And she was following him and being obedient and all the small things. So that when the big moment arrived, Mary, will you be the mother of the savior? She's like, of course you got it. No, no, no big one. Because I have been faithful in all the small things. And now you put this big task before me and I am on it. Let me encourage us in our own journeys not to, not to wait <laughs> for the big moment, because if that's what you're waiting on, then my friend, you'll never make it. It is who we are and all these small pieces that build our hearts and our souls for the big ask that God often brings later in life. Mary, she's, she's a teenager that loved Jesus. And God was building deep things in her life. Can I, let me just give a shout out to our teenagers who love Jesus and allow God to build deep things in their lives. Man, yes, absolutely. God didn't wait till she got older. He saw it, he acknowledged it, and did good and big things through her in that moment, which is powerful. And Mary, the second thing, I'll give you this, and we'll start landing the plane here. Mary, she understood something that most people never do. Obviously, she'd been walking with God. Obviously, God had been doing deep things in her heart and her life. She was saying, yes, amazing stuff. But she understood a word that might not be understood by us today, and that word is humbleness. How does she start her song? She doesn't start her song by saying, how great am I? This is Mary's song. Mary, did you know? Oh, yeah, I did. Woo, woo. Look at Mary. And she doesn't start the song about her. What did she say? That you are mindful of what? The humble state of your servant. Mary, she, she looked at herself and she absolutely knew who she was, knew who God was. And she spoke about the humbleness of her heart. She spoke about how God works through all these normal people that he, that he, that he pushes away the proud, that he pushes away the mighty, and that he does amazing things because of the humble people who walk and follow after him. And when I think about that, I think about such a powerful lesson. I wouldn't have thought that would be the lesson of Mary's song, but, but so much of her song is wrapped around that. And, and it's a lesson we can grab hold of if we understand what humbleness is. I think we, we don't value humbleness because we misunderstand it. When's the last time you were at a job interview and they're okay, give me your, give me your top, you know, your top, uh, you know, strength. What is it? I'm humble. <laughs> just a little something y'all know about me. Just, just so humble. All right here. You know, we don't do that. One, that's not how humbleness works. And two, it probably, it's probably not even your top five. Like if you're going to list your characteristics, I doubt any of us would really even put it in our top five, maybe not even our top 10. Because when we think of the word humble, what do we think of? We think weak. You know, we think walked over. I don't want to be humble. I don't want anybody walking over me. Or maybe you think of this idea that you have to walk around going, I'm a worm, worm of the Lord. Just a worm is what I am. You know, that's what humble people do. No, no. True humility is the most powerful thing you have ever seen. True humility is strength. The strength that Mary has to go against everything that's going on. 
is amazing and it's born out of humbleness. Mary and and her strength of humbleness is willing to believe what God says about her over what anyone else thought or their opinions. Do you know how many opinions Mary probably heard about who she was and what she'd done and what's going on in her life? And she didn't crack and crumble under that because she believed what God said about her. She believed God's truth about her. She was standing there going, God, you have said I'm favored. You, you have said that if I follow you, you've said if I make these steps, and I don't care what the world said, I am here with you. And I stand seeing myself as exactly who I am, seeing you for exactly who you are, choosing to believe you. And my friend, that is a path of humility. Uh, something else that we sometimes do, it, it, we, we can get locked up in one or two extremes. We can get locked up, you know, serving ego. Yeah, it's all about me. You know, or we can get locked up in self-hate. You see people on both ends of those spectrum. You know, I'm, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I'm worse than avocado toast. You know, living in those, I'm sorry. Living, it just, I, just, I just have to speak truth. Living in these two extremes, right? Well, what does humility do? Humility sets us free from both those things. We don't have to live in any of those places. You know, we don't define ourselves by how good and great we are, and we don't diminish ourselves by our faults and our failures. We define ourselves by how much God loves us. It's not about what we do or how we look or what we have or where we are. We're defined by the incredible love that God has placed on our life. We're defined by his forgiveness. We're defined by his mercy. We're defined by his calling. We're defined by his purpose. When you let yourself be defined by those things, my friend, there is no room for pride. There is no room for self-hate. You, you can't stand there going, look what I did because you didn't do anything and you know it. You can't stand over here and go, look who I ain't because you are something. You're a son and a daughter of the most high king. When we stand as God defined us, Man, we stand in strength and we stand in power and we stand in might and we stand in humility. There's no room for pride or self-hate. There's no room to see others as less than yourself. (laughs) When you truly see you for for who you are and, and how God defines you, you recognize we're all in the same boat. Doesn't matter how you look or what you wear or or where you live. You're in my boat, brother. You're on the other side with an oar. You got problems and I got problems. I actually kind of think your problems are worse than my problems. That's all right. We're in the same boat. And there's equality there because we stand before God in the same exact way. There's no room for seeing others less than ourselves because God is who defines us. There's no room to be driven by what we want because we're in pursuit of God's heart. Truly loved by the creator of the universe, the savior, the lover of our souls. Mary got that. Go back and just spend some time this week in, in, in this song. And you'll see that Mary got that, that she understood some very powerful things. That in spite of everything that the world might say about her, she was still chosen of God. Do you know that you are chosen of God? This is not a unique thing to Mary. Mary is an average, everyday, normal person. She is a broken human just like we are. She, she, she obeyed God, which was awesome, but so can you. There, there's nothing special about her that's not special about you. You have been chosen by God. And if you're in the room and you're not even a Christ follower, you're just kind of checking things out, seeing what this is all about, I am still say that to you. You've been chosen by God. Amen. 
God has been in pursuit of you. He's, he's brought you here to this moment so you can hear about his love and his grace that he's, he is setting his affection on you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. He's just waiting on your surrender. He's just waiting on your yes. Yes, I'm all in. I'm all in with this Jesus. If that is you, we would love, we would love absolutely to introduce you to Jesus Christ. We've got a prayer room that's open. People have been using it all morning. I'll talk to you. I love to introduce you to my Savior. He'll rock your world. Absolutely, for the folks that know it. But for us as Christians, we are chosen too. Do you know God has set his affection on you too? He set his love on you. He set his delight on you. And can I say this? Don't waste it. Don't waste the delight and the affection and favor of God by letting your life get drowned in worry and fear and doubt and trepidation and and all the things that the world wants to dump on you. Don't live in that broken space when you can step back and live in the favor and delight of God. Man, he's placed it on you. He's placed it on your life. He, he, he wants you to hear that. We just sang the song about how we were chosen and not forsaken. And, and, and God sees us and he loves us the same way he sees and loves Mary. What's he looking for? Just a heart that recognizes and turns toward him. So this morning, maybe, maybe your journey, even as a Christian, maybe you've been distracted. Distracted by job, relationship, work, season, Amazon, shipping dates. You know, maybe, maybe you've been distracted. Let's just acknowledge it. God, I have been. But today, today you get my affections. You get my heart. You get my vision. You get my focus. You, you get me. And in that moment, God just smiles and said, that's what my delight is all about. My favor, my favor rests upon you. Can we all walk out of here with the favor of God resting upon us? How powerful would that be in our lives? And so I got to end. We got to wrap up. We're going to sing one more song. During, During this time of singing, just take this as a moment to turn your heart toward God. Let him speak his favor over you, his grace over you, his peace over you. Let him do his deep work in your heart and your soul. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. What a powerful story, the story of Mary. And it's not traditional and typical. It's the story of an ordinary, nobody young girl being chosen by the God of the universe. May all the ordinary, nobody people in this room feel that same choosing on their life. The Father, you step in and you place your favor upon us and we can walk in that favor. And, and the thing that you ask is that our hearts are turned toward you. And whether it's a teenager or whether it's a young adult or an old adult, it doesn't matter, God, that we all turn our affections towards you and you use us in your kingdom to spread hope and light and life to those places where you placed us that we're going to walk through and not give up, knowing that nothing is impossible with you, trusting the path that you have placed before us. Father, do your greater work in us and we ask all these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. 
Thanks again for listening and God bless.